Did you ever see that great movie with Tom Hanks? It had Annette Bening, also Mike Myers in it. You know, the musical that covered the recent US elections, but also COVID-19. The one with Robocop, where they fight the zombies. Well, don't worry if you missed it, because it never really existed, apart from in the imaginations and work of filmmakers Soda Jerk. Much like hip-hop DJs sample a genre-busting variety of music to kind of create something in of itself new and original, Soda Jerk does that for video, creating a film, Hello Dankness, which skewers the farcical nature of American politics. Soda Jerk, our siblings Dominique and Dan, welcome to you. Thanks for having us. Hello. Describing your work is surprisingly harder than it seems. You essentially play with context, taking well-loved scenes and turning them on their head, uh, changing their original meaning simply by placing them alongside something else. How do you describe this project? Yeah, I mean, I I think we can get really crypto-mystical when we're talking about sampling. But look, I think at the end of the day, we are just making movies out of other people's movies. Yeah, I really liked the um, hip-hop connection, actually, because I think we think deeply about hip-hop and the way that you're taking different records and mixing them together to create a new track. And I think that's really a good uh, analogue in terms of what we're doing visually. And then I think with each project, you know, I think um, each project is different, each film is different, we draw upon different genres. Um, But uh, I guess if we were to describe what Hello Dankness is, um, I guess it's our suburban stoner musical. (laughs) Such a genre. It's like they only made suburban stoner musicals. Uh, Certainly in the late 80s, there was a lot of that kind of film work to to, to draw from. I mean, people will read their own meaning into any artwork. That's what's wonderful about art. But your films kind of benefit from a knowledge of pop culture, the great love that you might have for that scene that when Annette Bening starts slapping her face at the end of American Beauty... And you really are playing with various layers of joke or context or knowledge, if you like. Is that how you see it? Yeah, we definitely see it as a form of encryption, you know, like it's kind of like a a code or, and in some ways that's, we think of it like memes in, in a contemporary sense, because we think of memes as being very layered and coded and rely on context and, um, but it's like any kind of code, I guess. Yeah, and I think at the same time we're, you know, we're interested in the, you know, um, films and samples being these encrypted documents. Um, but I, I think we're also not trying to speak to everyone all at once and it's it's not really about, like, you know, how many samples you can spot or film texts you can identify. Um, you know, I think every audience is going to read that text in, you know, entirely unique ways and, and that's okay with us. You do make a point in uh, Hello Dankness of using these uh, great films from my childhood, you know, the t- t- 20th century American suburban cinema. W- why, why those? Why are they such a rich source of material? I guess one of the things we're interested in is about uh, the period of the internet. Like how do you talk about the internet now and what's happened? And one way is to go back to the kind of 80s and 90s in that moment Um sort of prior to the effects of the internet becoming so pervasive. Yeah, like the before times. The before times. So films like American Beauty and all those suburban films and The Burbs and Happiness and at the end of the like late 90s especially, there's all these films about suburbia and the kind of dark, mundane nature of suburbia and it's kind of interesting to revisit them now and kind of look at how, uh, I guess, things have changed and, and, and that's inflected differently. Because in a weird way, the samples or scenes that you lift still contain the original context. 
probably that's the viewer's own connection to the memory. But then in an intellectual sense or a cerebral sense, it's turned on its head when put next to, I don't know, a Bernie Sanders core flute or an InfoWars recording. The, the context is entirely different, but it also still comes with the original context. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think that's our interest in sampling. Um, we're interested in the way that you can um, lift a sample and, and um, you know, use classical editing techniques to, to put it in a new context. But we're also interested in sort of like um, the, the traces of um, history and memory that that, that, that sample carries, um, sort of the deep time of the archive. And I think we want both these things at once, Um always, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's a form of terraforming, I guess, you know, we're, we're trying to build worlds. This film starts and opens with almost the entirety of the 2017 Pepsi advertisement, which depicts reality TV star and model Kendall Jenner giving a Pepsi to a cop. It's sort of like a faux Black Lives Matter rally. It was absolutely widely panned at the time. For, right, and done in complete earnest. And done in complete <laughs> earnest. And yet you allow this to be performed in your film in its entirety, in the weird way it kind of makes a horrifying statement in itself without any tinkering or editing or sampling. Yeah, I mean, um, the way we treat that Pepsi ad is the way we treat all the documentary artefacts in our films. Um, we don't actually um, uh, sort of mess with them at all. Um, uh, we simply embed them in sort of like a narrative um, scaffolding. But I think, you know, if you're thinking about the bizarreness of that ad, um, you know, it's it's an it's a document that, you you know, we couldn't even attempt to satirise. It couldn't be more ridiculous um, than it already is. And it was removed from circulation, so it was only sort of live for three days before they had to remove it and apologise. So in some ways, in, you know, put platforming this document, we're allowing that document to kind of like move through history and be seen, you know, in a, in a broader context because it's kind of important, that kind of really ugly, absurd, like, uh, nature of... Uh, of, of reality. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of referred to as the pinnacle of woke capitalism and I, I actually didn't know that it was removed. It, sh it shows how, uh, I suppose, embarrassing it was for the company at the time. It, so if a dank meme is an internet, you know, in, in, in internet parlance is content that's exceptionally odd or has been overused or uh, perhaps lost its value or shine, is American politics one large dank meme for you too? Yeah, I mean, we often think that, you know, Trump is the first meme to hold office in the White House. Um, I think with Trump came a new logic of, of um, information and um, uh, politics. Yeah. And I think it's not with Trump, but it's sort of more like Trump's a symptom of this kind of shift uh, that we see the cumulative impact of the internet so that in 2016 it's kind of a threshold and beyond that point uh, you know, reality becomes more mimetic and it becomes about contagions and and the viral nature of media. And I, I think that, that Trump is just like the perfect kind of uh, person to fit within that that new landscape of, of media. I read that the film uses 300 uh, film and TV sources and 250 audio clips. Because your projects use so many samples, the work isn't really viable for, for rights reasons. There's almost no avenue for profit here. So this really is art for art's sake, would, would you say? Yeah, it's complete stupidity, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we see we see it operating in, you know, sort of the, um, you know, a history of civil disobedience, I suppose. 
If you just join me, the artist duo Soda Jerker here, we're discussing their new film, Hello Dankness, on RN Drive. And really, the editing is phenomenal in this. If you're not familiar with some of the samples, sometimes it's hard to tell where one stops and the next one starts. And you almost, I found myself playing that game of, is this real or was this real or was this part of uh, the original? Do you storyboard and script? How does that process come together for you two? Yeah, we do. We, I mean, um, it's a it's a messy process. It's very um, cyclic, I would say. So we're through the sort of four years that we worked intensively on this film. We were in a constant state of um, writing, sampling, storyboarding, editing, rewriting, um, because like mind maps and spreadsheets and and archives and archives and hard drives and hard drives of of samples that we're constantly drawing on, seeing what we can, you know, what we can. Um, what narratives we can we can realise, um, and then rewriting the the um, storyboards accordingly. They say that on a good day, an animator can create what about five to ten seconds of film per day, and stitching hundreds of images together must be incredibly time consuming work. Tell me about rotoscoping and, and how you use that technique in this work. Yeah, that that that, that hurts my hand. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just yeah, it's very slow, and it's like uh, cutting a character out frame by frame. Um, so twenty four. Frames, a, frames second. a second. So it just, yeah, you're exactly right. It, it, it takes, you know, days and days to get a few seconds of material. Um, and so there's just a lot of time spent sitting in front of the computer pushing the mouse around. That's basically what our practice looks like. <laughs> in the service of trying to take a character out of one film, for example, um, you might be trying to take Bernie, um, you know, uh, Tom Hanks out of the Burbs and, and place him in American Beauty alongside Arminette Benning. Um, and so to do that, you have to, you know, cut cut a um, frame by frame around one character and place them into a new context. How do you think that the original filmmakers would view your work? Have you received any uh, cease and desists? Yeah, I mean, this film is very fresh. It's 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 pretty new. Um, we just premiered it at the Berlinale in February this year, and it's been travelling since. But um, still pretty fresh. Um, but if you know, if you look at something like um, our last feature film, um, Terra Nullius, um, we've had an enormous amount of contact with um, the uh, filmmakers and the producers and the actors and all all these people um, who are responsible for the the films that we sample. And you know, I I mean, I, I would have to say on the whole that's been um you know kind of staggering the the sort of affirmations we've had from those filmmakers because of course uh, you've collaborated with the Australian electronic band the avalanches on the was i mean the avalanches were known for songs like since i left you uh, which is made up of samples from around 3500 uh, other songs also the avalanches no uh, stranger to you know the copyright battles that may ensue when it comes to the actual art- artistic intent when you're making and re-editing and putting these scenes next to each other do you think about what the original filmmakers intended? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a difference between like what the law is and then what ethics are around sampling. And I think that something that we think about a lot is like what the context is. You know, we're very hand-wringing about how we use something. What does it mean? What does it mean in its new context? We just don't actually, you know, uh, let what the legal status of that sample is, um, stop us from doing that. But we are very sort of ethical in that sense. And yeah, working with the avalanches was, I don't know, it was an incredible thing because 
they're doing, you know, that exact thing but with uh, music. So it felt like such a shazam, like it was really, that was a really beautiful process. I noticed that in your credits you've listed all your sources in chronological order by uh, the way of uh, which, which president they were released under. I mean, that makes a certain statement in itself, doesn't it? It does. It was a process we began with Terra Nullius, um, uh, ordering the samples by Prime Minister and something we decided to continue with Hello Dankness, ordering the samples by President. Um, we do. We think of these these um, films as documents of, of an era, um, of an era under a particular um, political regime in a sense. And it's like, you know, always the worst presidents will bring the best cinema. <laughs> I really feel that there's a connection there. You know, you get Reagan and you get amazing horror. You know, you get Trump and you get these incredible, like, Satires you and get like Thatcherism and you, you got amazing oh. music out of the UK oh, in that that's time. That's right. That's Thank exactly. you, Thatcher, for punk. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's absolutely true. So there's a certain sense in which a political uh, state of oppression brings great culture, you know, and um, so there is a relationship there to politics, which you find interesting. Well, Hello Dankness will be playing as part of the Melbourne International Film Festival. That's on tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday the 8th at the Capitol Theatre in Melbourne. Dominique and Dan of Soda Jerk have been my guests. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.